2: throwing in zone spectacular catch They're saying it's a catch touchdown
1: you see most gamblers when they go to gamble they go to win oh my god that's incredible big bank
3: small bank i like to make money all right
4: that is the ultimate kibosh you want to bet <laughs> <laughs> and we are underway Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jill Galanta and joined by Evan Abrams each and every week. He's our research director here at the Action Network. We're going to dive into all of the Sunday NFL action for Week 10. Brandon Anderson will have his hot reads later in the show. And of course, Patrick Everson from Vegas Insider. He's going to give us an update on, on the sports books in Vegas, how they fared this NFL Sunday. But Evan, first, let's talk Monday Night Football, Broncos, Bills. It's got to be better than whatever Sunday Night Football we're showing right now with Raiders, Jets uh bills are seven point home favorites with a total at 46 and a half now i want to talk about this game evan because i'm not sure why the spread is what it is and i wanted to talk it out with you because <laughs> the bills haven't covered a spread in five straight games they're three and two straight up in their last five but they're zero and five against the spread and the eye test at least from what we've seen from the bills and along with the statistics I'm not sure if the Bills should be really laying seven right now against the Broncos in this spot. Like their pass defense and secondary has not been good. And on offense, they've really stalled. We talked about this every week in in their last five games. They only have four touchdowns in the first halves. So combined in five games. So there's no fast starts. There's no explosive over-the-top plays that we're used to seeing. So for me, I find when you have a pass defense that's this week, it makes me nervous on the late cover. And that's what I always just kind of worry about is this Broncos team. You know, maybe they're finally getting it together. How are you looking at this game? You want to pick a side or a total in this? My instinct says to take the Broncos, but then you remember you're taking the Broncos (laughs) in this spot. And it's hard to just overlook that.
3: I actually have a lot to say about this game. Uh, I feel like uh, I've been screaming a lot earlier this week about feeling like this line was wrong. Uh, Mm -hmm. more, More so just... The seven and a half being inaccurate. Now that we're down to seven, uh, I'd say I'd probably make the game around six and a half area, just based off of. I mean, these teams literally completely opposites of what we know them to be at least earlier in the year. Like mm-hmm. if you look at, uh, especially on the defensive side, uh, Buffalo completely different, and Denver's flipped as well. Denver looks pretty decent, uh, and and I will you know, throughout this trend, unders 10-1 on Monday Night Football, yeah. uh, under 55-28-1 on Monday Night Football since 2019. Uh, and we're sitting here watching Sunday Night Football with another primetime under, uh, kind of under wraps here. Uh, so to me, I thought Denver at 7.5 was interesting. Uh, it's hard not to like another under. Now you're about 47.5. With Denver, Buffalo, so that would be right. that would be your total. I think from a touchdown point of view, I, I listen liking Denver in the game. I think Denver's players are a bit mispriced. So Javante mm-hmm. at like fourteen to one first touchdown or something like that. Like Ooh, the top okay. four players are all Bills,
4: right? Yeah, so that's if what you I was like say. someone
3: Denver, so
4: yeah. No, I think I think this is a solid look Evan, it. And part of the thing too with this Broncos team is. It's kind of trick or treat. You don't know really what team we're going to get. Are we getting this team that gave up 31 to the Jets who can't score a touchdown against the Raiders or 70 to the Dolphins? Or is it the one that held the Chiefs to 27 points in two games? Right. like, And now they're coming off this bye. they're facing a team where the Bills DVOA and pass defense just continues to drop every week. A lot of injuries on that front. So I'm with you on a touchdown score perspective. I feel like Cortland Sutton is completely mispriced. His uh-huh. touchdowns on six of eight games this year. He leads the team in red zone targets. And as I said, like the Bills are 28th in DV versus wide receiver one. So if the Broncos are trailing late, I like Sutton's chances to score. And it's the same reason kind of why I like the Broncos to cover in this spot, because I don't trust the Bills to either start off strong or to finish strong. And this is what's gone a counterculture of the Bills because historically when the Bills win, they win big. Like 75% of, or close to 75% of all of Josh Allen's wins are by seven points or more. So uh, usually when they roll, they roll big, but we have not seen that over the last five games. But I will say from a Bills offensive touchdown perspective, I do like Gabe Davis. I am seeing him out there right now. His prices are all over the place. I've seen plus 130. I've seen plus 230, but leads the team in a dot and this Broncos team, even if you include the last three games, the, the, their past defense has been horrendous all year. They rank last in DVOA overall, their last versus wide receiver, too. So uh, Gabe Davis, especially if Patrick Sertan and uh, Simmons, maybe they're rotating more to try to stop Stefan Diggs. I think Gabe Davis would be the guy that I would look at around plus 230 if you can get that same thing as Cortland Sutton, also at plus 240. All right, so that's Monday Night Football, Evan. Let's move over to Sunday now. Uh, five games this week, Evan, with totals under forty, and four of them went over. Uh, so overs were eight and three today, eight and four for the week. Uh, favorites seven and four straight up, and six and five against the spread today. What was uh, some of the big trends that you saw today, Evan? What was the biggest thing that stood out for you? Favorites continuing to
3: roll, thirty-two and ten mm-hmm. straight up since week eight. So over the last three weeks it's hard to find a uh, underdog money line in either your straight up wagers or your parlays. 32 and 10 for favorites. Uh, home teams over 500 now in the last six weeks straight up. So they've been, you know, kind of keeping up there. Uh, and overs like, you know, like you mentioned, 8-3, 8-4, 4-0 in the afternoon. Uh, looking like Sunday Night Football, probably going to stay under. Uh, but right now, unders mm. entering Sunday Night Football, 87-60-1. Uh, for the season so still still doing pretty well and it's
4: yeah and it's surprising too with how the favorites went because uh this week there's four teams on by two of them that are always favored uh in every game the eagles yeah. and the chiefs dolphins have been favored in most of their games as well so there's three teams right off the right off the bat that are very public sides that weren't available to bet. Uh, So I found that really interesting. Um, You know, eight of the games today, uh, if you include the, the Germany game are all one score games too. So a lot of drama uh, all the way to the end. And one of those games, I think Evan, that we got to start off with is Browns Ravens because (laughs) this game this was really, really fun. Very counter to what AFC North football is too. Usually it's a grinded it out kind of game, but the Browns win 33 to 31 uh, Ravens six and a half point home favorites do not uh, cover uh, or win. And they, uh, and the total goes way over at 37 and a half. This was one of the lowest totals of the day too, Evan. And this is the third Ravens game with a total below 40 this year. They're now one and two straight up in those games. And one thing that I find very interesting as well, because we could talk about this game a little bit more, but I'm already looking ahead. And Lamar Jackson in his career is 3-9 and nine against the spread at home versus the AFC North. And they're hosting the Bengals here coming up on Thursday Night Football as three-and-a-half point favorites.
3: I don't know. The whole, uh, and this is where it gets tricky, right? ATS marks remembering a quarterback for certain, doing certain things, especially when you're sitting here. Like, the Ravens had that game wrapped up. They, they, they really should have covered that I, game. I are, thought. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's so crazy to uh, watch the comeback and see everything that happened after they had the lead. Uh, here's a stat I did look up because I was curious and I think it it is something that probably will continue. AFC North divisional games mm-hmm. in general, Underdog 69, 46 and three in the last decade, 500 or better against the spread in nine of the last 10 years. So maybe it's just the rule. And on the favorites, Chad and Simon kind of make rules for different quarterbacks and make rules for, you Mm -hmm. know, different. In my opinion, the rule here might just be take underdogs in this division. Every time Like in this division game, you you're probably going to end up fifty six fifty five sixty 55, 60% at the end of the year. Uh, just crazy. And obviously Browns get the win. Steelers get the win. Uh, obviously Bengals come up short but crazy
4: yeah and and now the AFC North that was the one thing talking about how close these teams are and how close these games tend to be you know Ravens are seven and three two of those losses are to the Steelers and now the Browns today and then that Colts game that was just wild with Gardner Minshew (laughs) so uh, and, and then the Steelers right behind them at six and three the Browns now at six and three and then the Bengals last in the division at five and five like that's what's crazy right now is that all four teams could potentially make the playoffs um and one thing I found crazy about this game too Evan is that if you were looking at the under in this game you had to have been very nervous pretty much from the second play of the game because there was a defensive touchdown on the second play uh Deshaun Watson I was very worried about how this game was going to go because you thought okay the over is the unders cooked the Browns and Watson they're going to get rolled This is going to be like the Seahawks game and the Lions game that we saw where they're just getting beaten by 30 points. And the Ravens, you know, their run game at times will look unstoppable. Like they've got that early long touchdown from Keaton Mitchell. They get another from Gus. But where this game came down to was really third down and specifically how the Browns performed on third down. Offensively, they were 8-for-16 on third down. And on defense, they held the Ravens to 2-for-8 on third down. And, you know... Sean Watson, he was 6-for-20 passing with 79 yards at halftime. At the end of the game, he finished, or in the second half. Let's just talk about the second half. He was 14-for-14 throwing the ball, having 135 yards passing, touchdown, 25 yards rushing. Probably the best game that we've ever seen Sean Watson play in a Browns uniform. That was
3: actually the note that I made. 14-of-14 second half was absolutely It was incredible. Incredible. And the thing that's funny is, even in... And maybe this is just a part. Of, they were they used uh PJ Walker for the Hail Mary before the half. PJ Walker came in to throw, a few, I believe, a few other passes. It's just interesting how you know their dynamic there is also about the fact that Walker is a part of you know some things that they execute in the offense. Obviously, Deshaun's a starter, um, but kind of interesting how how that works out. Baltimore also eight zero and 1st quarter money line this year that that extended today, so. Great early starters, as they did have the lead, and they blew it in this one. But also, yeah. Browns win the game. Browns won the game, but never led. So, hard to hear.
4: They were down 30-17 to 17 in the fourth quarter, man. Oh, yeah. like, and then they get that passing touchdown, and then you see the pass go up in the air from from uh, Lamar Jackson, and it goes to the pick six, and you knew that 14-point swing. in in less than a minute in that game. So it reminded me of that Steelers game when the Ravens were playing with the Steelers just inexplicably had no business winning that game and then come back and and win that. So uh, we're going to talk more about the AFC North as we go. And I think we got to start right now with Texans Bengals because the Texans win 30 to 27 CJ Stroud leads another miraculous comeback. Uh, And I mean, he kind of, he won the game, nearly lost it and then won it again, which was really fun the way that it went. But now, uh, the Texans and CJ Stroud are now four and two straight up and five and one against the spread as an underdog this season.
3: Yeah, I think the interesting thing about this game and this line is the entire week leading up, right? Because if you mm-hmm. think about the roller coaster of the injuries when you had no Higgins, uh No T Higgins, uh, and then all of a sudden Nico Collins, you get that news where he's not going to play this weekend, and so you're trying to figure Tears out, all right, yep. what, yeah, like what pieces are going to be in this game. And then all of a sudden you get to Sunday, you look at the line. I believe the line did close about six and a half, uh, which all week you're saying to yourself, well, it's not seven for a reason, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if it got to seven, they'd have more faith in the Bengals. It turned out to be right. Uh, Some crazy stats with CJ Stroud. And we've been kind of going over it all season. The passing touchdowns. Yeah, the interceptions. Um, But here's a fun one that I dug up. So obviously now the Texans are five and four this year, which makes Stroud five and four straight up. Uh so that's the most wins for Houston since twenty nineteen, obviously with four wins or less uh each of the last four four seasons. Oops, uh, three yeah, seasons. It's yeah. It's been pretty bad. <laughs> twenty twenty. Uh and not even that, but tied. So Obviously, he was drafted from Ohio State, so he ties the NFL's single-season wins record for a drafted Ohio State Buckeye with five wins. Go Buckeyes. Yeah.
4: (laughs) CJ Stroud breaks the record. That's amazing. Well, and he was just completing passes at will today. Like 25-yard passes were just no problem for him. Tank Dell was all over the field today. The Bengals came out strong. They get that early touchdown, but – you could see as the game was going on, it wasn't about Higgins and it wasn't about Jamar Chase being compromised. They had just no run game. The, the Texans really held them in check. Now, Mixon, he didn't end up scoring that touchdown, but he only had 46 yards rushing. Joe Burrow was second with 20. Uh, that can't happen for the Bengals to win. And uh, looking at these upcoming schedules, Texans might be in the driver's seat in this AFC South. We'll talk about the Jaguars 49ers game here coming up, but uh, the Texans, they've got the Cardinals coming up who did win today, which is hilarious in Kyler Murray's return. But uh, the Texans, uh, they got the Cardinals, the Jaguars, the Broncos, and the Jets over the next four games. They've only got two games versus teams who are above 500 for the rest of the year in the Jaguars and the Browns. But then you look on this Bengals side, it's a tale of two teams. The Bengals, they've got the Ravens, the Steelers, the Jags, the Colts, and they've still got the Chiefs in Week 17. So it's going to be a tough road for them. At five and five, just to make the playoffs. Whereas the Texans now are kind of in the driver's seat, either to get the AFC South title or at least make a wild card in the AFC. I was just going to say that Jags got a loss today.
3: Like, not only did the Texans find themselves a win, but Jags got a loss, which you know, six and three, you're a game back. So, uh, you know, our colleague Brandon Anderson has been talking about it for a long time. But yeah, he's on boy, Texans Island. Texans Island <laughs> is just it, it's it's crazy, and I think today. Uh, and I took them uh, plus seven when it flashed earlier in the week. Sure. I liked Houston in this spot. It's a good game. And now you just mentioned it. I had a huge circle on my notes today. Three straight home games coming up for them. And the opponents, you know, aren't the most difficult teams. I believe Jacksonville's on that list, but all winnable games. So maybe they get a little healthier and uh, it's going to be interesting and dangerous. to Miko.
4: Yeah. And one team, so the Texans are pretty dangerous here in the AFC. So it should be interesting to see if CJ Stroud can lead them to the playoffs. But when we position ourselves over to the NFC, the new dangerous teams, in my opinion, is the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings <laughs> beat the Saints today, 27 to 19. And they win outright as a home home dog. Saints were three-point favorites. Total goes over a forty and a half. But again, it's the Vikings, so it's going to be a one-score game. You knew that was coming. So, uh, but... I said this to you off air. Maybe I'm biased, but Josh Dobbs, to me, is the best story in football because he is set up to fail at pretty much every stop. When he played for the Titans last year, it was in a spot start with without Ryan Tannehill. Then he comes in this year. They basically trade away every single skill position player other than James Conner and Marquise Brown, and they still are covering early and covering for spread betters earlier. And then now they get up by three scores at halftime. He's got 268 passing yards, one rushing touchdown. And then what was almost hilarious about this game, too, Evan, is not only just the Josh Dobbs narrative and just the feel-good aspect of the underdog, but then you get the true underdog, the Jameis Winston experience in the second <laughs> half with Derek Carr getting hurt because you think, OK, here's the Saints, Derek Carr goes down, this, they got to go to Taysom Hill, right? Nope. We're going full Jameis Winston experience here and we get an immediate touchdown to Crystal Lave to cut the lead to 16. Then we get another touchdown to cut it to eight. But of course, as this game goes, you know that Jameis Winston, the longer that he is in the game, turnovers are going to happen. So there were two interceptions to close out the game. and uh, I mean, the man loves his go routes. Uh, what, what can I say?
3: Uh, this game legitimately has unlimited things to unpack. I just, there there's so many different uh angles and storylines Jameis Winston two interceptions and two touchdowns feels like every single time he comes on the field like when <laughs> yeah. I look at the box score and I said to myself, I said to myself, "Alright, I watched the game, but like let me get a refresher on what happened here." And you see that, you say, "Oh, well, that happens every time." But when you when you look at Minnesota specifically, uh flipping the page there. Dobbs is the story, right? When you think about the last few weeks, you say to yourself, "Well, we'll you know what comes out of the NFL, what am I thinking about, What is pe- what are people talking about, kind of is Minnesota. because Minnesota started off awful. Now they've won – what do they won? five in a row? Is that right? Five or, in a row. Uh, five and four yeah. now. Uh, and now, yeah, they're six and four in this season. That's why I just looked at the standings, six oh, and yeah. four in the season. Uh, mm-hmm. They're a game and a half back at Detroit. Now I don't know if they're going to catch Detroit, but I don't necessarily think that's what they're going after. I think if they snuck into a playoff spot, they got into the wild card. It's a win, Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's very, very crazy they're even in this position um, and doing it without Justin Jefferson, uh, may I say. Who's coming back next week probably. Yeah, and if you look at the schedule, at Denver Sunday Night Football, so maybe they do get him back for that. Uh, And then Mm -hmm. uh, you got a little uh, Minnesota primetime coming up. So you have at Denver Sunday Night Football versus Chicago Monday Night Football, then a bye. So you're going to get a little Josh Dobbs in your life uh in prime time coming up um but i'll say from minnesota's perspective they just deserve the win today they played better um so i mean we could talk about a few things on the new orleans side which well that's what
4: i was going to talk to you yeah. about i was going to ask you about the the nfc south because now <laughs> the saints are five and five the bucks are four and five and then you've got the falcons who are five and five we're not going to talk about the panthers at this stage but i can't pick between these three teams of who I think would win this division now obviously I think from a on paper I think the Saints are the most talented team but if you have Derek Carr quarterback I can't trust you in the red zone and I think the Bucks are just a little bit I don't know if they have enough talent to be able to overcome the Saints if it was to go head to head even though they did beat beat the hell out of them earlier this year and then the Falcons they just can't get out of their own way we'll talk about Falcons Cardinals here in a second but uh, your guess is as good as mine dude like who's going to win the AFC South at this stage? Yeah, I stink. make
3: yeah, when I make these division bets I usually try to uh, anoint someone sometimes based off coaching and when you think about it between Dennis Allen Todd Bowles and Arthur Smith, I'm just <laughs> it, it's you know it's the dumb it's the dumb <laughs> meme dragon that all of them are the dumb
4: ones. Uh, it just yeah, Instead of murder's row It's just murder's row yeah. I feel like I just I, I, I Just kill me If, if that's my coach. That's Um Yeah <laughs> Alright We're gonna take a little break here We'll talk about some more games Here in a second But now it's time for the hot read From our own Brandon Anderson Brandon what do you have us looking for For early week 11 lines
2: Hot rap! Blue 17 On vice rights Ice cream Jose Luna
0: Raiders 19 salad 19 Double Ready. Louisville soul train <laughs>
2: all right week 11 hot read we went one and one this week we got clv on both our picks cl defense let us down late hot read is now 12 and 6 on the season 67 percent hit rate this is today i believe the grossest the nastiest hot read of the season now if you listen on friday to this podcast if you were at the look ahead you're gonna be familiar with both of these games so i'm gonna start out with Steelers-Browns. We grabbed Pittsburgh on the look-ahead, plus five. Classic rah-rah Tomlin underdog spot in the division. It's already down to three and a half. I still like it, but that's not the pick here. We're going to the same game. We're going to get uglier. Give me the under, 38 and a half, Steelers-Browns. Part of the reason we like that plus five was the low total, so let's get the under two. Who's going to score in this game? We got on one side Deshaun Watson, who, you know, he did. He flashed a little bit today. He got into the end zone. He he mostly made plays with his legs, if we're being honest. But no tackles on that team right now. They're all banged up. Obviously, no Nick Chubb. It's not a lot of offense. Is Matt Canada's offense going to score on this Browns defense? They're number one DVOA, number one against the pass, number one against the run. They just held Lamar Jackson, who was on everybody's preseason or sorry, midseason MVP pick this week. Held them to .02 EPA per play. Basically zero. They got a pick six on them. They held the Ravens to two third down conversions the entire game. This Browns defense is legit. So is the Steelers, right? We know the Steelers defense is always good. Not quite as good as the Browns, obviously. But they're great against the pass. They're okay against the run. I think TJ Watt and all those pass rushers against the bad line, missing those tackles, missing those guys to protect the edge. Good interior, but not on the edge. I think they're going to get after Deshaun Watson. I just don't see a lot of points coming in this game. That's part of why we like the Steelers here as well. Pittsburgh games this season, averaging 37.6 points a game. All but two Pittsburgh games are at 42 or below. Browns games are a little higher, 42.9. But we had 66 points today. We had a 39-38 Indianapolis game a few weeks ago with the Browns. If you exclude those two outliers, because let's be honest, we're not getting 39-38 here. Outside of those two games, Browns games are at 34.7 points a game. So this line, 38 and a half, still a little too high. Things can sort of start dropping a little bit. Steelers, seven and two to the under so far this season. Mike Tomlin, Road Unders, historically the most profitable coach for road unders in our system at Action Network. 77, 54, and a one to the under 59%. You've heard this from me before, Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski, when the total's below 44, uh, which obviously it is here. 59% to the under for Stefanski, 58% for Watson, and I think it keeps moving down. It is up a half point since open, but I think it's going to go back the other way. If it does get to 38 or below, unders this season at 38 or under, 10, 2, and 1 entering Sunday Night Football gets to 37, that's a key number. We want to grab it before that. 37 or below, the under is 79% the last 4 years. So, playing the trends, playing the defense, some ugly football. Steelers Browns under 38 and a half. But I got to tell you, if you thought that was ugly, here we go. Give me the New York Football Giants plus 10 at the Commanders. I warned you. I warned you on the look ahead. I warned you this was coming. It's going to get ugly. I'm sorry, 10 points is just too many. The, the total for this game is 37. 10 out of 37 is so many points to give us. These teams just played three weeks ago, and the Giants won. They won 14 to 7, and they are now 10-point underdogs. And I know what you're going to say, Daniel Jones, no, 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 no Daniel Jones in that game. It was Tyrod Taylor. I don't know who we're going to get here. Tommy DeVito. We might get Danny DeVito. We might get Matt Barkley coming in at quarterback. I don't really care. 10 points is too many. What has Washington done to earn a 10-point advantage against any team? I think Wink Martindale is going to blitz Sam Howell game. Washington's line is not great. should disrupt the pass for Washington. The Giants aren't good. Washington's just not very good either. And in this rivalry in the division, seven of the last eight games have been one-score games. These teams just kind of play each other even. They have all along the Giants have only failed to cover a 10-point spread in one of the last 12 games against Washington. So this is just too high of a line. Before the season, when they put out lines for every game for the whole year, the Giants were one-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Now they're 10-point underdogs? Look, I know the Giants are worse than we thought. Are they 11-and-a-half points worse? Washington's worse than we thought, too, so it's even more than that. This just doesn't make any sense to me. Washington has not covered this the entire season. They've only covered this four times the last three seasons combined. And then I got a good trend for you here. The Giants, of course, are losing by a lot. They got crushed by the Cowboys again. Guess who's not the Cowboys? It's our commanders. Giants' margin of victory is now minus 14.8 for the season. That triggers a trend for me. When you are an underdog with a margin of victory minus 14 or worse from week five forward, 101, 52-1 101, 52-1 and one against the spread, 66%. And if you're on the road as well, where we're obviously adding in some home field advantage, that jumps to 60, 22-1 against the spread, 73% for those underdogs, these teams that everybody thinks are terrible, including in the last calendar year, we've had six of those games, three road underdogs, one outright as those huge underdogs, just like the Giants are here. Let's get ugly. Giants plus 10 at Commanders. So week 11 hot reads, Steelers, Browns under 38 and a half, and New York football Giants plus 10 on the road. It's ugly. It's the hot read. Let's get it.
4: The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at com slash bluewire. That's com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set.
4: Now, let's look at the rest of the slate on Sunday. First game we're going to start with is 49ers-Jaguars. So the 49ers win very easily, 34-3. to The total does go under a 44.5, and the 49ers cover easily, as I said, as three-point favorites. Evan, this is a... Uh I've seen this game before. Uh, You know, the Steelers in Week 1, the Cowboys in Week 5, now the Jaguars. This is basically what the Niners are with Christian McCaffrey and fully healthy. And since getting McCaffrey, the Niners are 18-4 and straight up and 15-7 and against the spread. And I bring that up because three of those losses came in the previous three games.
3: Yeah, I want to be very clear about this because I feel like it makes for a better podcast. I was completely wrong with this game. I had the Jaguars plus three and a half. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like I just I, I liked Jackson. Not not even that. I just I liked Jacksonville on the spot. You weren't the I only thought, one. Yeah, and the thing with it was rest I didn't care about the losing streak on the other side. The thing I think the thing I think I ignored, which I probably shouldn't have. You know, Debo wasn't there for a lot of the losing streak now, coming back definitely mm-hmm. helps the offense. Trent. CMC yep. didn't even need to score today. Uh obviously yep. that streak now broken in seventeen games for San Francisco to do everything they needed to do on offense. They scored 34 today after scoring 17 in three straight games after they had that humongous uh, long uh, 30-plus point streak that they were on. Um, But, yeah, they they humiliated Jacksonville. Uh, And the thing that's very frustrating, I don't want to put it all on Lawrence, but as soon as you look at, Trevor and the, what they've done in Jacksonville and how good they've been. And you want to anoint the team and Peterson and especially Trevor. And then you see this, and this is what happens. It's a uh, very tough, but listen, you do get a Tennessee team at home next week. Yep. It's a good bounce back spot. If you're scoring just three points. So we should get a different Jacksonville game there. And listen, when you lose the turnover battle, And I want to make this very clear. Lose the turnover battle for nothing, which Jacksonville did today against San Francisco. I looked this up. You only win 4.1% of games, you only cover 6% of games since 1990. So it just.
4: I feel like you didn't need to look that up though. I feel like, I feel like that was almost like a goes without, no, I'm not saying that it's not important to know that. I know, no, no, I get it. Wouldn't, you know, but at the same time, <laughs> when I hear that, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That, like Because and the one thing about this game too, and what made sense for me is why I felt like I saw this game already a few times already this year is that we, we saw it against Dallas and we saw it even in week one against Pittsburgh is that you take a couple three and outs you maybe throw an early interception before you know it. You're down 20. And that's what this Niners team is really defi- uh, designed to do, especially now getting Chase Young on the other side with Nick, Nick Bosa just terrorizing guys. And I, I, It's funny that you say that. Is, you're not sure if this should be on Lawrence because I wrote that down too. I wasn't sure if this game was totally his fault because he did have two picks and a fumble. It was overall, it was an awful game for him. But he was sacked five times. He was not protected at all. And I feel like Doug Peterson as a coach, did not have his team prepped for this overwhelming pass rush that's coming. This isn't the first game of the year. You know, we have seen this team on tape many times, what they do. And sometimes, obviously, tape is easier to dissect than what's happening on the field. But at the same time, you have to be knowing that they're going to come after you and they're going to be basically daring you to throw it over the top. And they didn't really do that today with Jacksonville. Most of their yards per attempt were pretty down. So uh, for me, uh, yeah, I... I feel like, as well, the Jaguars, they were in the Niners' territory twice. They pissed down their leg both times with those fumbles, the, the, the Lawrence fumble and then the Christian Kirk fumble, where I thought that could get them back in the game. I like the spot next
3: week because uh, it is 6.5, not 7. And teams, after they score three points or less, 77-51-4 uh, against the spread, 60% last 20 years. So it is, is a decent spot with Jacksonville, especially under that touchdown.
4: All right, let's move to Packers-Steelers. Steelers win twenty three to nineteen. The total does go over of thirty eight and a half, and the Steelers do cover. And that to me is the story here because it is insane to me, Evan, that now the Steelers won another game outright where they are getting outgained offensively. Because every game this year they have gotten outgained offensively, but they are six and three straight up in the standings, and I don't understand what's happening. Like how. A guy like Kenny Pickett can throw for 126 yards and be four for 13 on third down and not really be in trouble of of covering here. And to me, this whole game, like, look, Steelers run game moves on point. Jalen Warren was the best player. He and Najee, they both scored but I could talk about all the stats and how these teams do on third down, like all we want, this whole game came down to that missed extra point by the Packers kicker in the first half. And as yeah. soon as it happened, I got a bunch <laughs> of group texts being like, yep, that's going to be it because the Steelers were three and a half point favorites. They missed that extra point. They'd only be down three. And once they started trading field goals in the third quarter, you knew that extra point was going to probably swing the spread one way or another. So uh, yeah, for me, this game, it all came down to the fact that the Packers missed that extra point in the first half, and that was really the deciding factor on whether or not you're bet- covered as a spread better.
3: Yeah, listen, once you know the spread and you know the number, and then you watch the game, and then you watch that kick, and then you can turn back and say to yourself, okay, sure, it was the kick. It was the extra point. It was definitely the extra point. That's what did it. I get it. Um, you There's mentioned more it. to it than that. I know, but I just... <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned it. Green Bay, 10 of 18 on third and fourth down and lost the game and didn't cover more plays, more yards, more yards per play, more pass yards. Yeah. Pittsburgh did really well on the ground, but voodoo it's, it, it seems like there is uh and, and you know, listen, Pittsburgh streak is going to continue. They're going to be over 500 uh, unless something absolutely falls apart and happens. Uh, and listen, they're at Cleveland and at Cincinnati the next two weeks. So if they turn around and they're sitting at uh uh you know what are they right now 6 and 3 so they'd be 6 and 5 6 and 3 yeah. Yes but so if they're 6 and 5 after losing at Cleveland and at Cincinnati it's not going to be a shock Um but yeah no. you mentioned it Steelers are the first team to be outgained in each of their first 9 games and still have a winning record and not only do they have a winning record but they're 6 and 3 Um and the thing that's interesting is and you can look this up. Look at the recent run of Steelers and one score games. I mm-hmm. believe they've 9 and 0 and I did this I did uh, some quick looking before we got on here. 9 and 0 last nine one score games, 11 and 1 uh 21 and 7 or so in their last 28. It just, they they've really really done a good job. Now listen. Point to whatever you want. I mean, I think pointing to Tomlin and coaching isn't the worst thing you could do, but it is interesting. Uh, and here's another one that you could point to coaching Steelers, 26, eight and one at home against the NFC under Tomlin. So we go back to that Lamar stat, right? Like you mm-hmm. haven't in yep. a team. You're not, you know, aware of it. It's not easy to play against or, you know, prep against it's good. So I don't know how Pittsburgh does it. I don't know how they figure it out, but this
4: was such a the- crusher too, Evan for the, the luck rankings. Like I'm a yeah. big believer in the luck rankings But the Steelers, and again, they're going to remain at the top of the luck rankings as far as where we're at now because of being six and three, they feel very fraudulent at six and three based on their offensive output. But the Packers, based on what has happened this year, they were close to the bottom and there was a 25 place difference between the two. And Nick, uh, Nick Giffen, who's our predictive analyst and, and Sean Kerner and our whole predictive analytics team who comes up with this stuff. Um, Those were hitting at like seventy percent cover rate for the team that was the lower on the luck side. So the fact that this game came down to the extra point just shows that even the luck rankings cannot usurp what's going on with this Steelers (laughs) voodoo man. It's crazy right now of how they're able to just have a a horseshoe up their ass a lot of the time. And and, you know, we talked about that Ravens game they won earlier this year, the, the the Browns as well. You know, coming up against these AFC North teams. Like, I obviously, I wouldn't feel great about betting the Steelers. But if they won, you wouldn't be thinking to yourself, like, wow, what an upset. You would just be like, oh, my God, here we go again.
3: <laughs> I mean, listen, they're plus four uh, in Cleveland next week. And my guess is it's going to be probably higher in Cincinnati. So you're getting over the four. Mm-hmm. Would I be shocked if they went 0-2 and 2-0 and against the spread? I mean, it's just it's what
4: Tomlin delivers. For sure. Let's talk about another fun one from the afternoon. So the Lions Chargers. Uh Lions win 34 to 31. Highest total on the board this week at 48.5. Went over pretty easily. Uh there was uh 40 uh 44 points at, at halftime. So uh, you know, Lions were two and a half point favorites. They do cover as uh three po- uh as a field goal winner, and uh the lions now. Again, we talk about this all the time, about Jared Goff indoors, outdoors, or even just home and away. Jared Goff indoors is now 19-7 and against the spread in the last two years, and 30-14 and against the spread overall in his career, playing indoors. Uh, And we could talk about their schedule here coming up, but they've got a lot of games indoors coming (laughs) in for Detroit. I mean, just
3: looking at this game specifically, and you mentioned the indoors thing, I think it's about being comfortable for Goff. Like, he's Mm -hmm. played it so far before. Believe this is his ninth game now. Uh, he's six and three in this building. To me, a lot of what he does week to week is based off his comfortability, right? Yeah. So I I think when you're betting Detroit, which I think gets tricky, we start talking about cold weather playoffs and all the games Detroit actually will need to win. Now maybe a lot of it will go through Detroit's building, uh, which would be nice for Goff and. And how that uh how the end of the uh season does for Detroit but I, I think that's a worry now and now just talking about today's game uh mm-hmm. this is a wild one this one was crazy like in terms of points and the back and forth we didn't have consecutive scores by the same team within the same quarter the entire game like the Chargers never led and you would have said to yourself how is that possible if you would have watched the game because it feels like they did it was tied four times after zero zero just Lots of insane game where uh, I had the lions in the action app uh, and I kept looking at my profile. And even though the game was tied almost the entire time, the lions had small leads at at times late. It was all green the entire time. So it, I don't know, felt like it knew what it was doing. Some crazy stats. Now, when you talk about it from a charger's point of view, so frustrating, right? Like these are the games. They continue to figure out ways to lose um just you know herbert played really 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 well uh and it's just a chargers defense allowed uh 200 yards on the ground from the lions
4: crazy that's that's exactly what i was going to point to is that the lions actually ran for 200 yards by halftime (laughs) and wow uh, it was insane and then but the one thing that i found was really telling about where this Lions team is now compared to, to maybe even last year or the year before when Dan Campbell first got there is Dan Campbell is pushing the right buttons on fourth down and showing Brandon Staley how it's done because <laughs> they are four and five or four for five on fourth down today, one of them to seal the game. To me, that was the type of aggressive play calling that helps you stay ahead of this Chargers team, why they could never get the lead because they wouldn't give the ball back to them in those spots that where the Chargers would be comfortable. And that's why this Lions team, I think it's really interesting about where they might be able to go in the NFC because we talk about this indoor-outdoor part. They only have one indoor or outdoor game for the rest of the year. It's week 14 in Chicago. Every other game, Vikings, uh, they've got the Bears. Packers at home, then they're on the road to the Saints, and then the rest of their way uh, is week 14 against uh, Chicago outdoors, and the rest of them are all indoors. So, uh, right now, you can look at Jared Goff's splits indoors, outdoors. He's about three to one for touchdown interception ratio compared to one to one when he's playing outdoors or in colder weather. So, This offense is clicking right now. Jameer Gibbs looked fantastic. David Montgomery is healthy again. They're going to start getting more guys back healthy. Uh, That's why when we were talking about this Lions or the Vikings team, if whether or not they could be able to come back here and maybe make a push. And then it's NFC North. I mean, they still have two games against Detroit, but I don't feel great them matching up together that they could keep up with their offense, especially uh, indoors. And uh, I was going to say, did you want to look at the Chargers schedule? But to be honest, I didn't even write anything down because I don't even think it matters because if you look at the teams and who they play and what they do play, it could be them playing the the 49ers. They could probably stay in that game and cover. They could <laughs> be playing the Cardinals. They could stay in that game and then lose. Like, so for me, this Chargers team, I don't really care what their schedule is. It's more of, do you want to invest your money in this team going forward in games that you know are all going to end really screwy, man?
3: I'll say this. Herbert in his career, 29 and 30 straight up now. and. This is from uh, Doug Clawson, who uh, you can see Doug Clawson on Twitter. But I'm going to give him credit because it's just so perfectly Chargers. But in Herbert's 59 career starts, so 29 and 30, 1502 points scored, 1502 points allowed, exactly even through 59 career starts. So that is exactly Chargers and everything Herbert, and that's
4: uh, what you're going to get week in and week out. All right, Falcons, Cardinals, Falcons lose <laughs> as two and a half point favorites and the over under of 43 and a half uh, does go over, but uh, Kyler Murray is back. Evan um, Kyler Murray, to me, you wouldn't even known he was gone. Obviously he doesn't have as many weapons to play with, like with Deandre Hopkins and, you know, uh, James Connor was back today. So that was obviously helpful, but I mean, we saw those long scrambles, those little pitter patter scrambles. So, uh, that was exactly his playing style. You know, the 35 yard passes down the field, Trey McBride, Looked incredible. Uh, But we saw even in the two-minute drill that this team is just decimated offensively. Like, they don't really have a lot that they can lean on. I mean, if you had James Conner for a touchdown, this is also, this was, I felt really bad for anybody who had either James Conner for a touchdown or in fantasy because he did you dirty. He took a dive twice inside the five yard line instead of running it in and he could have probably ran it in too like it didn't look like anybody was in the way and it wasn't like uh you know where it was so close to the game that maybe like again you've got Desmond Ritter coming in for Taylor Heineke like what are you worried about there's 30 are you really worried that you'll have 30 seconds for Desmond Ritter to get a field goal on you like I just felt like James Conner could have probably ran that in and that's all i was saying I don't really want to give uh the Cardinals (laughs) too much crap how they won this game because they probably shouldn't have won the game, but Kyler Murray—that's why he is the guy.
3: Yes, yeah, so this was uh, Arizona's first game this season as a public side, so congratulations!
4: Now every welcome back, gotten
3: that role. So uh, betters liked Arizona today, and, and uh, they came through. This game was just so frustrating to watch from both points of view. Like from Atlanta's point of view, God, it just it felt like Arthur is just so lost. On a daily basis, on how to win games and what to do with his offense, and when to give people carries. Like you look at the box score, and Bijan got twenty-two carries today, ninety-five yards. Everything went well, and you you try to figure out, well, why? Why now? How this happened based off what you saw before? And it's just completely confusing, right? And then Atlanta comes out, they win the first half, and then they lose the game. It's just, <laughs> it, it just, you know, it's just so confusing. They were 6 and three first half money line this season only winless team they come out they play well and then Kyler comes back and you know pulls out their hearts at the end of this one um listen they've lost three straight but they're also I believe a game out in the division you know can they win the NFC South and get a top 10 pick like I, I don't know what the actual result is for Atlanta at listen before the season I liked them I picked them to sneak into the playoffs I, I think I did a bad job at evaluating Ritter. I think I knew he wasn't great. I don't think I realized just how turnover prone and shaky he was. And I think Heineke gives you a better chance to win. But I think we saw today, man, they're, they're just, they combined for 70 passing yards. It's just, I don't think either of them the, are, are the answer. I think they have a lot in their offense. And I'll finish it the way I started. I just think they're lost. Um, well, from a Falcons point of view, one yeah. stat for you, uh, the NFC South and this this is just putrid, but actually kind of amazing. 44. Now, the whole division is 44, 75 and two against the spread, 37 percent versus any team outside the division over the last three years, including nine and 21 against the spread this year. So that's the worst mark of any division.
4: And Carolina on the buy this week. Now in pole position for first uh, overall pick, and they don't even own the pick. Now it goes to the Bears. So, again, one of the things, like, it was a double whammy for the Panthers here because um, I'm sure the Patriots, we'll talk about them in a little bit, but lots of teams kind of maybe gunning for that number one spot. And now the Bears are in pole position via proxy of the, uh, the Panthers here. All right, Commanders. Seahawks. Seahawks win twenty nine to twenty six. Another one score game. Seahawks don't cover though as six point favorites. Uh, the uh, over does hit a forty four and a half. Evan Sam Howell and the Commanders five and one against the spread on the road this year. So not bad. Like they do kind of show up in these road spots here.
3: Yeah, six and a half just too much. Right, it just ended up being uh, a little bit too many points. In this one. You mentioned Howell five and one on the road against the spread. All six of those games, one score game. So mm-hmm. he's sneaking, uh, you know, underneath the number, probably in a few of those. Um a fun one would be he's actually one road win away, which would come at this point on Thanksgiving in Dallas against the Cowboys. So he gets one more road cover. He'd be the most profitable Washington quarterback on the road in the last twenty years. Um <laughs> So oh my God. if you think about that and you think about all the quarterbacks that have come there at, at six and one, that would give him the record. So pretty funny. But if, if you think about just today's game, Washington, it's got to feel great. They, they got to feel like they've got their guy. I mean, is the second in passing yards in the uh, in the league? He had three touchdowns today. No but he got sacked he's four times
4: today. They, they don't protect him. I think that's the problem. I think obviously. OK, so I don't want I'm with you, but he's the quarterback I do feel I like-
3: he's the guy. I, I, I don't think they're worried about it's not how like, listen, mm-hmm. we get it. He's been sacked 47 times this year, right? I mean, because he's only played in, like eight a,
4: games total.
3: Listen, when you're in a conversation with David Carr and sacks, it's not good. But <laughs> it's just, it, it's not, but, but I think we understand he's looked good between McLaurin, Dotson and Samuel. Mm-hmm. He's getting people the ball.
4: Yeah. Offensively. So. You're right. And I think that is a takeaway that we can at least agree on that offensively. They can stay in these games and they have talent there. But the main takeaway I find is that this commander's pass defense yeah. just is terrible. They're continuously plummeting in DVOA pass rankings. We've seen them just get torched repeatedly by wide receiver ones over and over again. Now, Metcalf didn't score today, but Lockett was able to score. You know, it just There was a lot of times where their pass defense leaves a lot to be desired. They got two rookie corners. Emmanuel Forbes is one of them out there. They're going to improve on that front, but if they don't get offensive line help and secondary help, this is what we're going to see probably week in and week out with the commanders. But from a Seahawks standpoint, I'm not not really much to take away from that. I mean, they made plays uh, to win. Obviously, just more. (laughs) It's pretty simple explanation. They made more plays than they did. But for me, (laughs) the Seahawks, I, I didn't feel like they did anything that really shocked me like in this game kenneth walker scored a touchdown like again there was no turnovers there was nothing that they did where i was like wow like gino really surprised me or sam howe doing something i was like wow they're really staying in this other than maybe the touchdown near the end to get Diami brown in but other than that this was pretty much how i thought it was going to play out where the seahawks would probably eke it out all right we got three games left evan um let's wrap these up and then we can uh, get on with our get on with our Sunday here. Uh, Giants Cowboys, Cowboys win very easily 49 to 17. Uh, the total does go over of 39 and the Cowboys easily cover as 17 and a half point favorites and I mean we knew we we talked about this last week. We knew this was going to happen with this big spread because there were no sweats in this one. Dak typically kicks the shit out of teams at home. <laughs> we know this and when you got Tommy DeVito on the other side it makes it nearly unwatchable. So uh one of the notes too, uh Cowboys beat the Giants both games this year by a combined 89 to 17 margin. Those 17 points were scored just today. Uh mm-hmm. Titans Buccaneers, Buccaneers win 20 to 6. Total goes under. Bucks do cover his two and a half point favorites, but the total, I said, of 39 does go under. I mean, Will Levis, he just got smacked, smacked around really pretty much the whole game. There wasn't really a lot to take away from this one. Levis and the Titans, they just couldn't really do anything. It wasn't really much of a showing. It was a rookie quarterback playing on the road against an above average defense. And this is what you see. And there was just not much offense to take away from it. Last game, Evan, let's wrap it up here with the Germany bowl Colts Patriots. Colts win 10 to six. No, this isn't a baseball score. You know, uh, Colts win 10 to six and they do cover as one and a half point favorites. And the, Total goes way under of forty two and a half because this was the lowest scoring international game of all time Evan, and this is the pat's third game of the year without an offensive touchdown and now Mac Jones, as the quarterback with the Patriots, is one in fifteen against the spread in his last sixteen starts as a dog so i'm going to end it on this, and I want to ask you because we saw some. Maybe some tanking shenanigans here, where the pass put in Bailey Zappi in the two-minute drill. It's a one-score game, you know. So it felt like the ultimate fu to Mac Jones. Like it reeked of tanking or just straight up contempt for Mac. So this is the worst straight-up record through ten games in the Bill Belichick era. The question is, going into the bye week, coming back in week twelve, is this Mac Jones' last game as the Patriots starter?
3: I mean, it should be. I think this is probably the toughest one for us to predict, right? Every other time it was like, yeah, Mac will be back. Mac will be back. <laughs> yeah. and I think we've also, because I honestly think we've been waiting for this international game plus this bye, which we thought there'd be a decision made post it. Um, listen, you're at the Giants coming off the bye, and then you're at home against uh, the Chargers. I don't think there's much of a key game or a key situation or a division game or something to circle. I mean, just doesn't matter at this point, right? Like, no. you're pretty much 20, I think you're 29th or 30th in the league in scoring. Uh, it's just really, really bad. Uh, and I think after today, because I know there was a lot of talk this morning about Kraft wanting the win, and this one meaning a lot to him, and it's yep. being the Colts and all this stuff. Okay, guys, it's over. No games matter anymore. Nothing, like, there, there is no matter in this season. Looking at the schedule you know, play, play Pittsburgh. They play Kansas city. Oh God. They play Kansas city at home on Monday night football. Jesus, the schedule. Uh, And then they end at Buffalo and versus the jets. You just, just lose games and this one, let it go.
4: Well, the one thing that is important that happened is that they are now in second position to have a second overall pick right now in the upcoming NFL draft. So if they are looking to tank, this is the way to go about it, and that was pretty much a ultimate tank move. Even as bad as Mac Jones has looked, uh, to bench him for a two minute drill in a one score game, so that was the ultimate mm-hmm. white flag on the Bill Belichick era, and maybe even the Bill Belichick season at least of twenty twenty three. Now let's check in with Patrick Everson with Vegas Insider to see how sportsbooks fared in Las Vegas for Week Ten. Hey, Jill, it's
1: good to be back on the Action Network podcast. A really interesting NFL Week 10 Sunday unfolded. Early in the day, before the games even kicked off, Christian Cipollini at BetMGM said, we really could use a Ravens outright loss, certainly could have used a Niners outright loss, a Bengals outright loss. Another odds maker said pretty much the same thing, said, we need either the Ravens to lose or the Bengals to lose, or we're going to have a really bad day. As it all works out in the early kickoffs, The Ravens and the Bengals both lose in the same fashion on final seconds field goals as home favorites. So it looked like this was just going to be a roll for sportsbooks today, like they were just going to breeze through. However, the way some of the later games fell really ate into what the books made. I talked with one odds maker tonight who said specifically the Sunday night game ended up being a problem, which isn't really unusual in Vegas now that, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say it's really unusual. The Raiders haven't been that good. But now they went two in a row. There's some energy behind them. They took a lot of tickets and money at Sportsbooks around Las Vegas today. And one oddsmaker said Raiders and under was our worst case scenario. He said we probably ended up around even for the day. He so said we had a great early kick window, did okay to the middle kicks, but actually we're going to need the Jets tonight. And did not get the Jets in the Sunday night game. And at a BetMGM Jim, Nevada, it was pretty much the same story. I talked with Scott Shelton on this Sunday night about how they did to the games. And even before the Raiders and Jets kicked off. He said, our, our day is going to come down to the night game, the Sunday night game between the Jets and Raiders. He said it was up and down all day. They traded mostly this morning, winning a big decision with the Texans, but losing a big decision on the 49ers with the 49ers hammering the Jaguars. He said they won three of the four late games. They only lost to the Cowboys in the late window. And if the Jets had won tonight, which they certainly were in position to do, uh, would have been another solid day for the for the bookmaker, certainly for BetMGM here in Nevada, but uh, but the Raiders got there, and so what Scott Shelton said, "Is if the Raiders do get there, we will hope to break even." And then after the game, I followed up with Scott, and he said, "We lost everything we won." He said, "But you can't win every week; that wouldn't be gambling." I don't know that I can disagree with that. So a mixed bag, at least among the odds makers I talked with here in Vegas, but obviously those results early in the day helped. If they hadn't had the Ravens lose and the Bengals lose, the public would have had a really good day, which is fine with us. We want to see betters win, but uh, uh, the public took it on the chin there and then rebounded, recouped some of that in the end, and probably everybody kind of broke even as it as it all worked out. As you look ahead to the Monday night game, this is from BetMGM as well, and I thought this was kind of interesting because I honestly don't think my Denver Broncos are that good. I'm a very pessimistic Broncos fan, and it's not like they're they've been world beaters for the last uh, season and a half. But Monday night game. At Buffalo, and this is from earlier Sunday from BetMGM, 57% of spread tickets, 54% of spread money on Denver, on the road. And maybe it speaks a little bit to people seeing Denver having knocked off Kansas City a couple of weeks ago, got got the upset there. But it also probably speaks a little bit to kind of the disarray that the Buffalo Bills are in and, and people not necessarily trusting Buffalo. I'll be surprised if these numbers hang throughout the day Monday, because as we all know, A lot of the tickets and money, especially on these standalone games, are going to come in in the last couple of hours, so maybe this changes a bit. But, uh, but tickets and money on the Broncos on the spread and also on the Broncos on the money line. The money line doesn't surprise me too much. People like to get in on that plus money. But uh, that spread certainly surprises me a little bit. And then as you look ahead to next week, I talked to one Vegas odds maker on this Sunday night, just about a few of the key games. No real big movers or anything that, that, that jump out, but you've got a couple of great games, mainly the Thursday night game, hopefully a great game between the Bengals and Ravens, who both are looking to bounce back really more so that Monday night or we're getting a Super Bowl rematch between the Eagles and the Chiefs. And the odds maker opened Chiefs minus two and a half. And he said that will be a referendum on how much the market believes home field is worth, because generally they say, well, you know, kind of the general rule home field is worth three points. Well, the Chiefs are laying two and a half here. And the odds maker noted the power rankings of these two teams couldn't be closer. They rate them very closely together, this odds maker does. And he said, He wouldn't speculate on the need at this point, but he expects an outstanding amount of betting action on Eagles-Chiefs next Monday night to finish off the Week 11 slate. And if the favorites get it back together in Week 11, if the popular favorites get it together, there's probably going to be a ton of liability running likely to the Chiefs on Monday night. Although the Eagles may take their share of money, too, because the Eagles have certainly become a public team so there i have it a little look at how the weekend went in the nfl for week 10 a little look ahead to monday night and to week 11 thank you patrick and thank you for listening to the action network podcast presented by
4: betmgm enjoy the doubleheader for monday night football and keep an eye out for all of our nfl week 11 podcasts right here on the action network